Are you looking for inspiration? In need of career guidance? Wondering what path successful people take? Listen up. I am Vibha Kagzi, CEO and founder of reachiv.com, a Harvard alumnus and the author of Break the MBA Code. I'm going to be your host on this weekly show called House of Experts, where you can get an insight into a wide range of career choices directly from industry stalwarts. So buckle up and get ready to take off. All right, guys, um, without much ado, let's kickstart this evening with Arzan Kambata, a world-renowned sculptor and um, glorious background, trained as an architect. Um, when I spoke to him, he said um, sculpting was something he always wanted to do, the architecture degree was something he was um, almost pushed into, but I'm sure it had some advantages and he's going to share those with us. Uh, made a career in an extremely unconventional domain um, and obviously is here to talk about how he did that, how he navigated his way through all of this. And without much ado, let me kickstart Arzan. Thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. All My right. Pleasure. So as, as you know, at, at Reach Ivy, we're in education and careers advisory. So I always like to kickstart, you know, you know, by asking what was the, your early influence like? What was your childhood like? What were your, what was the early sort of learnings for you? So basically, I, I did my schooling in Jamnabai Narsi School. And at that point of time, it was one of the absolute best schools around. I mean, yeah. nowadays, we talk of so many other international schools and all that. At that time, I remember we were kids. So we had no choice as to we didn't select our own schools then. But right. uh, I grew up in the Parsi colony and a couple of parents researched and they found out that there was a gentleman called Mr. Soli Pauri, who right. was selected by the Golden Tobacco Group, then the Narsi Monji Group, to sort of go abroad and study schools abroad and start this fabulous groundbreaking school in Bombay. And that's what he did. It was phenomenal. At that time, it had language labs and, and a shopping center where we could sort of buy things with paper money and all that. Sure. And that was so exciting to me because it was completely off the beaten track. But then, of course, slowly, slowly, I guess the ICSE curriculum poured in and things got stricter and then things got more streamlined into subjects and homework and etc. And I was never good at studies. I mean, I mean every year <laughs> for it. I was never good at <laughs> and the thing is that showed, but every book of mine had sketches, every textbook, every column, every behind the book, under the cover, under the brown paper cover had sketches and things which were there. So I think now that I think about it, I was wired that way right from the beginning. You, you, understand? Would, you, you think you were naturally wired that way? I, I think I was definitely naturally wired that way and tremendous push from my parents because I mean, my mom was a school teacher, so she used to do her charts and stuff like that. Dad's an architect, still practices. And he used to work at home and all that. And of course, whatever I used to do, tremendous encouragement in terms of chart paper, in terms of colors and crayons and sort of literally okay. draw there and do anything. And I think so, that... So they, they, they nurtured it, huh? They nurtured it. They, they gave you the supplies. And... Yes, yes, totally, totally. I mean, even later when I started sculpture, I mean, my, I, I didn't have money to buy the first few machines that I needed to do sculptures. They, of course, sure. guided me and pushed me there. But coming back to the school, I mean, 
you will be surprised that even in the art class i never used to follow the same directions as my art teacher because wow, i just okay. it was very boring you know so i had this crazy urge to do things my way and in a different way i think that was just completely uh, in uh, sort of in my head until date i i love doing that so when i go to the workshop i sort of literally am starting fresh and i sort of wondering like a kid as to what toy will i get to play today and what can i do today that i have not done yesterday you know so that uh, i think that that uh, in hindi words that what do you call it that kida you know that that was there right from the beginning and i think what i did was i fed that i fed that i didn't let it go i fed that urge to do stuff i i let myself go i experimented i still experiment and i think that's what works so, i'll just tell so uh, yeah please school. go ahead yeah one little story it's hilarious it's one of my favorites so sure. i had gone to the salarjan museum as a kid okay and we never had cameras then i mean forget your cell phone cameras we never had normal cameras also because films were expensive correct so yeah. when i came back from the summer vacation and then my hindi class was going on uh, all that i had seen out there i was pouring out in terms of sketches on the textbooks and all that and i think the teacher saw my hand moving in a little different way she knew i was not writing hindi text and she called me saying show me your book and i was very fascinated by the weaponry department at uh, salarjan yes, museum yes. beautiful muskets and swords and spears and all that and i i took that book and it had all those stuff you know like all those maces and 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 daggers and spears and all that and she looked at it and she's telling me beta aapka man mein kitna violence hai you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was hilarious that just stuck in my head but but that is the way i was i just couldn't get myself to do the regular stuff and it just didn't happen you know today today in this day and age you can classify students as uh, dyslexic and attention disorder sure. and all during my time it was clever average dumb that's it there was no right. other thing so i was in the right. latter and everyone treated me like that then finally you know the, everyone yeah, so, so, he is so that, bad that's, that's it you know so that's the way it started okay uh, so you know i'm glad you brought up the the social aspect of this right so people said okay you classified you as like your bad in studies was there any other social implication you know with your friends your cousins your family of people being like arzan is just a little crazy like was there that perception or was it like wow oh, yeah. arzan is gifted you know which, yes. which way were you both both gifted and crazy both. come to because correct exactly if you see if you see i mean uh, any great artist they were all called madmen in the beginning correct. they were all correct but that is because you're doing something that is unconventional sure you're doing something that is so different from others do that the normal people cannot fathom it and put it in their frame of mind that this is normal it is as madness yes it exactly like i remember when i was welding away and all that my friends used to join me at the studio uh, sure this small little studio that i had then and they used to literally i mean i mean they were friends after all and they would always pick up stuff and say you said what the hell have you done you know sort of stuff like that but i got a lot of how you say parents encouragement was there tremendously but there was a lot of negativism from the colony people who used to see me all dirty and welding away and all that ah. you know they would call what the hell are you doing go and work in your dad's office you know yeah, that's such yeah. a and you should be there and here you are playing with scrap and collecting uh, bangar and things of that sort so you know so but but believe me all these negative things never got me down it always charged me further it always charged okay. me further 
I knew that that response was because I was doing things different. It was because I was definitely out of the box, way way out of the box, and I loved that uh, response because that sort of that validated for you, huh? That I was definitely on the right path and not sure. thinking normal person should be thinking. You know, it's it's that. Sure. And, and as an artist, you want that validation that you're not yeah. thinking like everyone else. You're not. You're not. That is not your main point. But if people sure. keep on. telling you that then you know you're doing the some right stuff then you're not you're doing on the right track and painting things which people have seen you know you're picking sure. up you're going to scrap yards you're going to construction sites you're going to garages you're carrying that dirty metal in your hand you're getting it and you're welding it obviously yeah. you're, you're you're doing something crazy you know sure <laughs> okay so how how does it even start you're in school you have this creative aspect you're sketching away you're doodling you're doing all this stuff uh how do you go from that to sculpting you know how does how does that transition happen for you so uh i definitely i think uh, throughout my school whatever arts and crafts you used to do i found i was definitely better at doing 3d stuff than 2d stuff you know the okay. colors are not my calling it was more i would rather take the paper crumple it and stick it with other crumpled paper and do something which is 3d rather right. than just color and sort of watercolor rather than just draw a matka that was put in front of me with a rose inside and say you know sort of duplicate that and that just didn't uh, work like art to me at all it just didn't get into my head uh, so the, what happened was this was after the 10th standard uh, myself my elder sister younger sister and one other friend we were all pushed to summer classes isn't it i mean you you can't hang around uh, all summer so there was this very interesting uh, art teacher from goa called mr anand mohan naik and he was conducting these art classes uh, the kind that i would like you know nothing nothing conventional he would get right. class day, he would get a stone one day and he said let's see what you can do with that hammer that stone and do stuff like that very interesting but the thing is that he taught us in a studio of a sculptor called adi daverwala okay. adi daverwala by that time had passed he was he was not around but i had heard of him i had heard of him through my dad's friends who had his pieces and when i entered that place it had his work incomplete work he had his incomplete sketches on chalk on the board it had his, he had his something what he called the thinking chair and there were books lying around there was this musty smell and there were wooden shavings there were uh, wooden chisels and stuff like that and the the and now that i think about it ages later it felt as if it was something that was left incomplete which needed to be picked up and started and i i saw the welding machine and i saw that heavy metal which he had used in his works and i think that was a turning point in me that was yeah that i want to do this you know this is what i want to do and and i also then did wood and metal and everything you know so i think that okay. was a major turning point in me deciding that i want to do this you know okay so it was that that summer class and that studio and yep. your first sort of you know touch and feel experience of this correct, correct. um Then what happens? Like, do you get some training? Like, do you have some of you know some someone train you on this, or is it all touch and feel and sort of figure it out for yourself? It, I'll tell you what. So the moment I knew that I um, I wanted to work with iron, and I wanted to put bits of iron together into a story and create sculptures. So what I did was I had to learn welding. Okay. Now there is no course in Bombay which will take a sixteen-year-old to teach welding. It's supposed to be very right. dangerous. Lot of heat and thousand two hundred degree flame and etc. etc. So on, 
And so what happened was I found this fellow who made these rolling shutters and grills. Normal your grills and gates and stuff like that in Mahim. So I stayed in Dada. I used to walk every evening over there. Two evenings I walked there. At about 8.30, he said, I can't show you right now. I said, teach me welding. I said, I can't show you right now. My boss is there. So I said, what time does your boss go? But he's saying 9 p.m. I said, I'll come by 9 p.m. So I walked around, walked around. And I went in at 9 p.m. And I said, teach me welding. So he actually taught me welding. I said, I'm coming back tomorrow again. So I went the other day. So literally, I learned my welding in those two evenings. Then when my parents at 16, back, this is when you were 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And okay. I said, I just want one welding machine. That's it. That's what I want from you. So I bought a welding machine. I remember from Crawford Market, 2,500 rupees. I must have spent at that time. Okay. Dad spent, not me. I didn't have any money of my own. So 2,500 rupees. I bought that machine. And then it was day in and day out, picking up metal, cutting metal and welding and welding and welding and welding, literally welding away. It was wow. as if I was possessed. And of course, I, now that I think about it, now if I have to do it, I don't think I'll be able to do it. There was some, some crazy, some crazy. Practice, some, something that I got, got me connected to that metal so much. I mean, mm. I, I, anyway, I'm terrible at sports. And people would say, why are you not going and playing out with someone? Go out and do this. Go out. And here I was sitting and welding and welding and welding away, you know? And wow. it was just something that had overtaken me and I wanted to create. And I just loved it. I enjoyed the whole thing, you know. That's how it started. Actually, can I make a small request? Could you just shift a little to your left? This one? Because, okay. you know, the, the, the flow of people joining and the whole flow is coming. Oh, this way. This way, right? Ah, yes. To oh, your, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, Got perfect. All right. All right. So you're welding day in and day out. Um, what happens when it's time to go to college? Did you want to go to college? Did you say, I'm just going to sit this out and weld at home? So I didn't want to go to college at all. You didn't all. want to go. Okay. And, and so while I was, while I was uh, doing this, uh, two of my pieces I sold, you know, at that time, uh, to, through dad's friends only, because they were architects. They would come home, they would see it. And so one, one piece went, second piece went, and I thought I'm set. I don't have to do anything. I just sell sculptures from now on, you know? Although they sold at 1,500 at that time, <laughs> 2,000, it was okay. But it was a, I mean, it's that, that's the time when I realized that I could sell this. I mean, I was like, not making yeah. anything at all. You, you knew that at least someone would pay for it. Hobby, you know. So then what happened was at that time, uh, that's said nothing doing. You just can't keep on welding day in and day out and sort of do that. Right? Different times, you know, you're talking of sure. you're different times before internet, before MTV and that generation you're talking about, you know. Sure. Where, where profession mattered, a degree mattered, you know. So that said, okay, fine, do something. Architecture seemed to be the most, uh, how you say, automatic thing for me to get in because I figured both were 3D arts, sculpture and architecture, both are absolute 3D forms sure. that you get with. And that's an architect. So I said, chalo. So we'll jo I joined architecture. So when I joined architecture, but uh, believe me, I enjoyed my five years of architecture because... You, you made it through, huh? You made it through I the five years. I did a five-year course in architecture. And I loved it because I found that I was getting decent marks because I was finally doing something that was possible for me to do. You understand? Giving sure. me a process to design so-and-so, I could do that. Don't give sure. me a chemistry diagram and say, sort this and make a derivative sure. of this. And it's not done that way, you know? Right. And so this this was up your alley. This, this sort of no, this was completely up my alley, and I loved it. I actually loved it because for the first time, 
I started getting marks which were decent, you know. Sure. And then I realized that I mean, literally, I mean, now, now after so many years, I talk to so many students, I counsel so many students, I see their work, I help them. Sure. The thing is, every student, whether you call him dumb or whatever, first of all, don't ever call a student or a kid dumb. Sure. Whatever he is, every kid has got a superpower in him. Literally, I believe that that one little sure. thing has to be found. You know, sure. I was lucky to found it at an early age, and then I pushed. See, finding it and not working on it is different. Finding sure. it, and you have to get at you it. You have to nurture it, right? One thing I'm never modest about is working hard. You you cannot do anything sure. without doing that. You know, there's no so shortcuts. I right. pushed, pushed, and pushed. I literally, like crazy. You know, even today. I mean, I'm not relaxing because I'm at this stage. Because you can't do that. You have to keep pushing. You have to keep creating, and. This is to every parent, you know. Sort of, don't uh, undermine your child by comparing him to the others. Unfortunately, during my time, clever and dumb only was judged on the marks that you get in school and Correct. college. Correct. Unfortunately, stupid. it's still a lot like that. Stupid. It's still a lot you know, like that. In, in, a, yeah. in a wicked way, I'm sorry to say, but in a very wicked way, I know students who came first in my Jamna Bai, in my other college, in my architecture college. Believe me, they are nowhere now. Nowhere today, right? But, yeah. I know who they are. Of course, I'll definitely won't sure, name them. Sure, of course. Why the hell do you have to keep on pushing for marks when it's not even important this much? You know, it is right. only self and how you how you sort of push your own passion and most importantly how you sort of behave with other people. You know, how you talk sure. to other people. In in my line of work and in every line of work, your contact to the other person has is to be comfortable. So has to be so uh, sort of positive. That that is what will get you ahead in life, not your marks. You know, I I I I wish I had my report cards with me. I could show people what I did in school, but I <laughs> senseless. You know, absolutely senseless. Trying to compare your kid with the other. Look how much yeah. marks he's well with him. You know, let him get whatever marks he wants. You know? So, as as Sabah is saying in the chat, it's important to find your spark. You found it early. And then you nurtured it, and you're saying you yes. still continue to nurture it. Yes. Okay, so tell us how you nurtured it, right? So you you figured out this inclination. You got your parents to buy you that welding machine. You enrolled in architecture college. How do you still keep it going? Like what you know, what would you spend your days and your weeks doing? Were you literally sitting in a studio and just constantly creating? Yes, I'll tell you. So I'll, I'll give you a little chronology. Okay. So I started sculpting in 1982, which was I I finished my tenth, and then I. Sort of uh, uh, started sculpting with the welding machine, and when I say started sculpting, means I'm talking of going to the studio at nine, working, sometimes coming home for lunch or not coming home for lunch, and then working till again till about six seven in the evening, and oh, that wow. okay. continuously continuously going to scrapyards, collecting material, going to garage sites, going to construction sites, collecting stuff, welding, sketching on the floor. uh sort of trying to sort of create pieces which made sense to me playing with the metal and it was it was a complete like i said i was in a bubble at that time you know i was in a bubble completely separate from everything and all that mattered to me was my machine and the metal and i kept going on and then of course slowly uh so 85 i joined architecture i fared very badly in the 12th very very badly because at that time i was taken over by this sculpture bug and i didn't want to study I just sure. didn't want to, so I kept welding and welding and all that. So when I talk to students, when I tell them what I did in school and how badly I failed, I right. tell them that 
I did not waste my time. Sure. I, although I well, did, yeah. I was not whiling my time sitting at a railing or sure. uh, smoking or uh, going to movies and whiling. I I was right. working day in and day out creating. You know. You were creating. Sure. Yeah, and and to me, time is very important. I don't like wasting time. So I think right. that is to me to just sit around not doing anything just didn't. Uh, uh, I didn't feel it. Okay. Even there. Yeah. So and I, yeah. Tell me. So uh, I, I was just going to ask, as you know, a lot of I had a musician on the show earlier, and similar, right? They sort of caught up and so obsessive about that zone. Yeah. But as musicians, they always have a guru or a teacher who's sort of guiding them. In yeah. your field, did you get a mentor, teacher, guide, someone who was sort of helping you along, or was this a solo pursuit for you? I think I think except uh, besides uh, Anand Mohan Naik who sort of gave me that little spark in the beginning, I think a very major factor was my parents helping me out, you know, okay. really commenting on my work, uh, telling me what I did, what I didn't do, and then of course my wife Kushnuma then joined me and her friends and my friends and then the positivity group. When people sure. saw I was working, and I was not there to just fool around with metal and do some stupid stuff, people sure. knew that. Just about it. So, '82 I started. '85, uh, '86, '85 I joined architecture because Dad said nothing doing. You have to do that. Sure. Just joining architecture. I would finish my college by afternoon and then go to the studio and do my welding and all that. I didn't give it sure. up. Going side by side. Why wow. I wasn't? I got my first commission piece by architect Noshir Talati, who is, who is and was and was always god of architecture <laughs> at sure. that time. And to for him to call me on site and say you know sort of uh, do a work for me that was phenomenal. So I did this Mughal king sitting outside the Jewel of India restaurant single-handedly. Sure, okay. So from eighty-two to ninety-three, I worked single-handedly, literally single-handedly, no helpers, nothing, uh, sure. not even to see the works, not even to deliver, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing. Ninety-three, okay. I got my first show at Jangirat Gallery. So okay. that was the when, let's say. Two hundred, three hundred more people saw my work. Only okay. the people in the colony who used to see it. Then another show, three years hence, it grew. It grew. It grew. You know. So it's it's right. been a very natural climb. It's been a very natural climb. There's no overnight success. There's nothing like that. But and you didn't you you didn't have a teacher or a or a guru to actually teach you the art of sculpting. You know, your parents no. supported you. Your wife, your yeah. friends were all there. Yeah. But yes. the actual the actual trade, like the actual art of sculpting, you figured it out. No one figure it out and still figuring it out. You never, you never, never complete it. You know, it's still sure. figuring out. And I, every new technique that comes out, whether it is water jet cutting or laser jet cutting, and right now 3D printing, I, 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 I sort of try and bring that into my work because I, I sure. love experimenting. And you see, it's like first uh, from '82 to '99, I use scrap metal, and now I don't use okay. so much. I use new metal, so. It was working very well. I could have said, "Okay, superb, you know, this is working so well. Just let me continue with this and keep on going on." But sure. this inquisitive mind didn't let me do that. You know, I I love probing into new materials. I love studying new things, and then hence I, I the 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 portfolio grew: copper, okay. stainless steel, uh, iron. Of course, iron was always there. I'm talking of uh, casting, uh, bronze, and stuff like that. You know, so okay. this. Positiveness is always there, and it it has to be there to for you to create. You know, has to be so there. So that's one of the key traits. You're saying inquisitiveness, um, obviously ability to think out of the box, and also self belief. That in everything you're saying, I'm seeing a lot of self belief. 
you, you seem to just have known that this is this is who yeah. you are and this is what you're going to do true so not not a sliver of doubt huh? all throughout you were just like this this is it not at all so my my one question i get asked all the time and i have two words to answer always what is your advice to students experiment right. fearlessly that's it literally experiment fearlessly even when i i notice when i'm when i'm going to the kaladora festival to create yeah. uh, uh, students to conduct students workshops and all workshops. that children are there parents are standing there and telling them what to pick up beta ye uthao beta ye karo you know better look back and all that beta aisa karo it there is this control has to be broken you know right. you experiment fearlessly this constantly sort of uh, you know on this 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 student to create to something i literally have seen when someone creates something the parent says bana banao you know use more material where right. is leave the bachcha alone let him experiment let him just do leave them alone so, yeah so this this and it carries on this this you know this this standing at the back and telling them what to do they right. put the shoulder when they're creating because they cannot create fearlessly and that has right. to be broken you know yeah yeah great i love that i love that thought mm-hmm. i'm going to pick up a question here from uh, ayman ko who says what do your workshops look like and what tools are there let's talk a little bit oh. about the workshops you can do so my my workshop looks like an industrial factory okay okay uh, so i i've i've changed number of workshops okay i i have a very comfortable workshop right now which is not what it was not the initially it was all one room where everything used to happen but now when you enter the workshop there is a sort of an entrance way where i keep some of my complete sculptures there is my cabin which is my oasis which i use to relax and all that more to relax than to work and then the rest of it looks like an industrial workshop it's a proper industrial gala uh, which you will find welding machines you will find gas torches you will find grinders you will find a lot of metal lying around uh, you will find a lot of incomplete pieces hanging from the walls okay a lot of incomplete pieces because i work on multiple things at the same time i leave them halfway you keep on seeing them the idea is to have everything within your optical window same. you have okay. to keep on uh you do something and put it away you put it away on the loft pack it's out you never see it here i'm yeah. seeing pieces so whenever i feel like creating i pick out certain pieces and try to sort of formulate something if the need happens you have to start from scratch sometimes most of the times but sometimes yeah. you see these pieces and then you pick out and then you sort of do things from them so it's a very amorphous space depending on the kind of work that's going on the space changes if there are four small works going on then it looks different if there is one large work going on it looks different you can't even see from one side of the studio to the other you know so basically if if you want to picture it it's a industrial fabrication workshop that's what it is okay you're lucky you're one of the rare people in bombay who can change their office around and have a new <laughs> office whenever you feel like uh i am in co i hope that answered your question she says thank you please start a sculpting school for kids <laughs> sure <laughs> definitely oh. it's okay. it's on my mind it's Let it's, it's on your mind yes yes it is okay guys it's on his mind um going to take this question here from krisant for who says how strong is sculpting as a career in india for a student okay having gone through this would you would you recommend it for a, for somebody else well, definitely recommend it if he has the fire to pursue it you can ask one of the topmost photographers will i make money if i take up photography how do you re- uh, reply to that sure it's 
all depends on the individual i would say yes go for it if if that spark is there within you go for it because if you have the fire okay be able to sort of sort of uh, how you say uh, get proficient in it and get better every career you take a fashion designer okay there are some fashion sure. designers who are struggling to survive there are some fashion designers who are doing okay there are some fashion designers which are doing very good and there are some who have acquired star status isn't who are it what the peak at the peak right right same photographers same thing with artists same thing with sculptors same thing with dancers so very right. difficult is it is it uh, enough to survive i would say yes of course it's enough to survive but don't do it for the money don't do anything for the money if you're going don't into making money go into business you know do, do some business somewhere go into finance uh, get a job somewhere if your primary focus is to make money then anything creative is not the reply for you no is not you okay you create because you okay, want to create. create and then you hope and pray and then you believe in yourself that what you are doing is good and it will sell and it will sort of suffice to take you forward you know okay you 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 are creating for the pure joy of creating oh yeah the motive is to it's and, okay. and automatically when someone's enjoying it so much when someone's enjoying it so much or, or it it will yield results no it will yield results sure. because you're doing something that's good and keep a right. very high level of acceptance for your own work you know like, as a discipline never let a work out of your studio which is even you have a 1% doubt you know never mm -hmm. even 1% you have to be so happy with that piece and then give it to the client and then he'll be happy you know sure. never have okay. the, like never say chalega you know something like that that level okay. of your uh, supervision stamp has to be very very high of a very high standard you know okay i i have a question here you know since you talked about a client and um the question about the legend could you talk a little bit about the legend how did oh, yes. it come to you and yes. you know what 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 is the story behind it yeah so the legend is uh, the name of the sculpture which is created from the scrap of the ins vikrant it's sure. a, it's a memorial to the ins vikrant and it stands at the lion gate where the navy docks is and phenomenal story i mean it's one of my absolute uh, favorite pieces only because of the story attached with it so as you know the ins vikrant served us very well during all our wars sure. we did a lot of wars with that and there were fighter pilots who used to fly off the decks of the vikrant go to war and come back by evening land again and couple of these fighter pilots headed by one ex commodore uh, mike bada parsi gentleman he came to me and he said it is a shame that the government has decided to scrap the vikrant okay sure Hmm. Initially they had thought of making it into a museum okay which would have right. been wonderful which would have been superb and you right. retain the glory of that ship which has served you you know sure and he said they decided to scrap it and now he had tears in his eyes because hmm. he, they said that ship was like their mother he said sure. when they would go out on the uh, planes and come back the first thing they would go is shower and go inside and have a hot cup of soup and hmm. they would the warmth of the ship that sort of cocoon there sure. and sure. there was so much love for it you know and then they said how the hell could they have decided to sell it to off for kg of the material um, there was right. no historic value attached to it it was sold on weight so many times right. so much uh, uh, price for the iron so sell it sure mike hmm. bada 
ex Commodore Mike Barra and a couple of colleagues pulled in their own money. They pulled in their old money and they took me to the scrapyard and I selected the scrap and they bought the scrap from their own money. Oh, wow. Okay. They bought the wow. scrap from me, they gave it to me and they said, okay, fine, now make us a memorial so that at least for us, the memory of the INS Vikrant remains alive, you know? So that's what we did. I told them, I said, I'm not going to make a replica of the ship because it would sure. look like a model, it's senseless. Let's sure. do a sculpture. Let's do a sort of semi-abstract version of that ship. So I've made it strong, look stronger. I've given it a little weird angles and stuff like that. So it looks as if it's like a abstract, uh, how do you say, it's more of a feeling than the ship itself, sure. you know? So that was what sure. the legend was about. So it's wonderful, the story attached to it. And Beautiful. one of my absolute prized uh, sculptures, I would say, in terms of, because of the thought that went into it and because of the, uh, I would say, the bravery of these warriors who sure. pulled in their own money. Uh, you, you, you know what That's our service Right, you, that, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Zilch. But they poured in the money because they wanted it uh, sort of done this way, right? Great. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Okay. Thank you for thank you for sharing that story. Um, you know, since you spoke about the story and you, you were talking about the, the creative process, is is there, is if you had to talk about how you, you know, if you're commissioned to create something, would you, is there a process you follow? You know, when, when I talk to uh, creative people, some dismiss this as saying, no, no, there is no, there is no such thing as process and creativity. And some actually give me a very structured response saying, of course, there is a creative process. And this is, these are the five steps that I would follow. So very mm -hmm. curious to understand in, in your world, um, are you, do you think you have a process? Is there like a step A, step B, step C, or you go into the studio and you're like, every day is different. And you know, it, it might pan out in, in a new way every day. So basically, uh, if I'm working for a show of mine, if I'm working for a show of mine, then the day is open. Then I can do anything sure. because there's no client in mind. Okay. There's no end client in mind. And I just create as I go along. Okay. I just create as I go along. Now, as you know, about 98% of my pieces are commissioned works. Sure. So the first thing I do is I go and see the site. So now I'm telling you the process. I yeah. go and see, I meet the client. I understand what the client wants, whether it's a corporate or a hotel or a residence, if it's sure. a residence more personal. So what does the client like? What does he want to portray in his house? Okay. What does he want to show in his house? What are the finishes around that space? And so I use materials which would go or contrast depending on how I want to create this uh, sculpture. And then I give a sketch. I give mm -hmm. a sketch. I do not give a computerized 3D render. I sure. give a okay. sketch. That's what I do okay. because okay. I brought up without computers and I still right. feel scratching the pencil to the paper and creating stuff uh, makes me think better other than sure. sitting on and doing something like that. Okay. Sure. So I sketch it out. Sometimes you're so sure that you only give one option. Sometimes when you don't know the client too well, you give one or two options trying to judge what the client wants, you know, and I'm laughing because someone said I like your designer mustache. <laughs> it's just grown. So, we, 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 I have a question coming up on the mustache as well, but right, yeah, right after this process. So, so, so I, I do give the sketch. Then there's a little, sometimes it's, it's a little back and forth. Sometimes, okay, fine, approved. Design is perfect. Then you sit and give an estimate. Okay? Most important. It boils down to the estimate, to sure. the budget. Yeah. Thing. Once that is approved, then you start the creation. Actual manufacturing process of making not manufacturing creating the uh, sculpture 
as is there and there, you know? So okay. that is the process. So this is the process. And then of course you go and install it. Some installations mm. are very simple. <clears throat> Some installations you could just pick up the piece and put it there, install. Some installations are as difficult as I have made one which has got 380 different pieces which were to be bolted on site while oh it was God. from the ceiling. So some installations are as difficult as that. There are some installations where they're the superstructure, because I, I balance my pieces, the superstructure is done by the client and I've got to marry my sculpture along with that. So it all depends mm. on how you do it. And of course, you put it up and... Yeah. So, so I, I want to go, go, you know, stay on the on the process side. So you, you sort of explain the, the functionality of it. So let's say you've got the client approval now. Um, the, the actual creative process is, is what I'm trying to push on, you know. Um, do you see the end product and then you build towards the end product? Or is it is it an evolution? You know, are you going in there and playing with it? Or, or is it is it something you've already visualized at the start? And then you're just sort of, you know, going from point A to the end? If it's a commission sculpture, then I have visualized the final product because the client needs to know what the final product is going to look like. Correct. I see. So there I have the final product. But I still am at the liberty of doing some changes within that as long as I okay. stick to it. Most of the time now, of course, with so much of practice and so many years, the sculpture comes out exactly like the sketch that I've drawn. Okay. Sometimes I tweak it a little because I find that uh, this looks better than that whilst I'm making it. Okay. Sure. But okay. The, what you're talking about of starting a piece and then taking it day by day into whichever direction right. is going, that happens for the pieces that are new for my show. Because sure. there is no designated space that they're going to be in. There is mm -hmm. no end client in mind. If anyone could buy it. So I create whatever comes to my mind, you know. But in okay. terms of work, yes, the sketch has to go so that okay. it is... I've had only just, I mean... Coming to that, I've had only one client, literally only one client, who I've made a sculpture for. He didn't ask for a design. He didn't ask for a budget. Not because he's so big or anything like that, but just that yeah. trust. And I'm yeah. talking to Madhavan. So when I did this sculpture, oh, really? back, he said, this is the space. Do whatever you do want. Do whatever you like. Hmm. I don't even want to see it while you're creating or anything, you know, just do it. And it because turns, because he's, he's an artist, right? He knows that oh, you're giving... And, and don't forget, he's a very grounded chap. That, that helps. Sure. That helps so, and, he, and he knows as an artist, all you want yeah. is your creative liberty, Correct. right? Like once once you're at that stage, Correct. and Correct. clearly he so, recognized that in you as well. To be able to be brave enough to say, you know, just do what you want, you know? Sure, you sure. Okay, um, tell me, uh, how do you price this stuff? You know, ultimately, you're buying pieces of some scrap, you're buying pieces of metal, you're buying all these materials. So there is a material cost to it, obviously, but the material cost is a, is a tiny fraction, right? How yeah. do you do you price by hour? Like how do you price no. by concept? I mean, it's, it's such a vague. The prices for any artist, forget mine, prices for any artist would depend on your seniority. Of course, in the yeah. Artist, how many years you work, where you stand. So I can definitely say, okay, fine, you know, I'm above XXXYZ and I'm below ABC, something like that, you know, so that is where I stand. And you have to see that you increase your prices. Of course, definitely inflation, everything increases, but you have to see that your prices increase, but gradually. You have to be very sensible okay. about it. The Indian mm -hmm. art buying public is very, very well educated about pricing. If you okay. try and 
Aswan on someone suddenly, uh, let's say, let's say a very big shot chap has bought my piece, and I feel okay, fine. Oh my God, this fellow has bought it. I'm going to double my prices tomorrow. Nothing's going to sell. Mm-hmm. You have to be very, very logical to do the maths and say, okay, fine. You know, last show, my this piece sold at let's say X. I'm going to add X plus twenty percent this time on that, not X okay. plus eighty. Expert. Okay. So that is the way you have to be very, very intelligent about it. You have to test the market, and of course, in terms of commission. So I'll tell you. So this is the art depending on the artist. Then what does it depend on? It depends on size. It depends mm-hmm. on material. It depends on the detailing. The most the important. complexity. The complexity yeah. of the thing. Times a two foot piece can cost more than a seven footer. Of course. Because okay. Because that you put in. because of the material that you use etc etc so it's a very debatable thing but you have to be intelligent enough not to cross your limit hmm. so that no one questions you you know it's that way yeah. so you have to be right. very yeah okay great all right thank thank you for explaining that um since the comment has come about your designer mustache uh, it is obviously very dalish in its in its structure and look um so you know who who is your inspiration is is there <laughs> is is there one person you follow how, how many and you know what what are some of the traits you've picked up from different people uh i i of course there are a lot of artists i love uh, my one artist if you tell me my most fascinating one is salvador dali definitely but that's not why because the mustache is there the mustache that happened okay. <laughs> okay. but salvador dali is definitely very very high on my list uh, anish kapoor as a sculptor and his sense is and the way he handles material and all that phenomenal uh your jeff koons also in today's day and age the 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 balloon reflective figures that he does and all right. that some beautiful work you know so i mean i'm talking of these three of course dali always at a very very higher level and right. picasso also in terms of indian context again i i of course i love my adida verwala's works also whose studio i saw sure. and i stuff and all that and there are quite a few But if you Quite want to name one, I would say Salvador Dali definitely for for his absolute madness and for his skill. The combination of skill and madness to create the kind of works that he did was super superior sort of stuff. You know. Okay, so so Dali tops the list, but there are many yeah. others who. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And 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 tell us like for the uninitiated, right? For for people who are not sculptors, how if we saw a piece. um if you were to do like a quick you know art appreciation or sculptor appreciation uh you know three things to look at like what what should we look at you know the artists you mentioned i've been to their exhibits i've seen their shows um but i i come out like like maybe 80% of the audience saying oh wow that was amazing because i know it was a dali creation uh but i don't really know how to judge it to be absolutely yeah. honest so Correct. and a lot of people say oh, it's, it's it's the way it made you feel um is is that the same like you know with paintings they say okay don't don't worry about the technique just how do the art make you feel but with this there is obviously technique so w- what is what is the technique that one must look for uh when they see a piece i think okay very it's a superb question so i number one i keep on telling everyone so i hear hear so many people coming out of a gallery and say i don't understand modern art that is the most okay. common i don't yeah. they don't say they are this is modern art i don't yeah. understand that i see an abstract and i don't understand it okay sure to them the first thing i say is start from the beginning first don't try to understand it see mm. if you like that work or not just visually first 
visually is that piece doing something to you or not is it connecting to you or you're just saying it and just moving away if you're seeing it and move it away fine that's the reason why a person should see more art they should see more galleries mm -hmm. even work they don't like sure. when you see work which you like which you don't like it slowly starts forming a library in your mind and you're able to evaluate work correct so sure. in a sculpture like so you have a frame of reference you're saying see no, see the good stuff see the bad stuff say okay yeah you can't compare a sculpture by anish kapoor to a jaipur miniature which may have taken let's say sure. 10 times more time to do it you can say oh yeah. my god this is much more laborious so this is better than that you can't compare contempt sure. contempt art you can't even compare one sculpture to the other the styles are yeah. similar to compare so for me while coming to that i would say look at the to me this is my thing look at the effort that the artist has put in that is important look at the thought process that the artist has put in that is important what i don't like is in today's day the conceptual art concept where i have seen an empty room with one brick in the center of the room and a large essay written on it that to me doesn't make sense i mm. want to see the artist effort i want to see the artist's labor i want to see the artist's thought process into creating that piece you know and mm. i The, the, of course like i said the first thing if someone walks into art gallery you pick up 10 people from the road who never gone to an art gallery okay push them into a modern contemporary art gallery they'll get flummoxed by the kind of things that's there correct right so of course they only see whether you like it or not don't like it there are some hmm. people like it they they say okay fine you know this is good and then automatically the wheels start turning and they try to realize why they like it and why they don't like it you know in hmm. our country contemporary art on the streets is minimal it's not as sure. much as there uh, we started putting pieces out of course it is improving but it's not as much as it was there 60 years back in uk and mexico sure. and Paris. people were hit by contemporary art continuously day in and day out sure educates them whether you like the piece or not is secondary but it mm. educates them they start forming these uh sort of gradations in their mind i like this artist yeah. i don't like that i like that mm -hmm. artist last show but this day this time i don't like it the more you see yeah. it, the more you get educated without reading about the work visually yeah. you get educated just by seeing stuff and that is the best way to do it you know okay great so so based on that explanation if you were to pick a piece um you know with the, you know you mentioned uh, see the the labor that the person has put in and the thought process So, so describe a piece for us. Like, pick up any piece and then sort of just break it out for us. So, let me let me take uh, one of my most favorite outdoor sculptures, which is Please, yeah. done by Anish Kapoor in uh, Chicago. Chicago, okay. okay. Chicago, the Cloud Gate. It's called the Bean, also. It's called the Bean. The Bean, yes. Where you where you can sort of see your reflection through those yeah. big pieces. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Fabulous. To me, a person who deals with metal. the kind of workmanship that you require to create that is unfathomable mm. if the cost to make that sculpture is staggering staggering means beyond your belief beyond beyond anything that you have imagined only because it is made up of several stainless steel sheets which were welded together okay. if if uh, if i tell an a, a client today that i will give you this finish but this is what i'll require he said to get lost give me something that is less finished but sure. give me a 
price, you know. So forget the pricing. Of course, he got the pricing for that. That's why he could do it. But if you see the finishing on that piece, if you yeah. know how metal is worked, if you know how stainless steel worked, and how difficult it is to join and to not show a joint right. all, throughout that large sculpture, it is it is huge. Uh, the the cloud gate is a huge sculpture. It looks very small in a photograph, but you can right, walk. Right. It's like a bridge. You can walk underneath it and yeah. come out from the other side. It's 60 feet uh, long this way. And that to me is an absolute work of art because the amount of technicians, the amount of people that may have worked on it under Mr. Kapoor's supervision is phenomenal. Yeah. You have to understand metal to understand that to get a finish like that is practically, I would say, impossible. Literally impossible, you know. And he's managed to do it, I mean, perfect to the T, you know. So that is okay, wonderful. Great. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that because I have seen that piece and now you having explained it, uh, it's oh, the it's visual good. of it is, is all coming back to go, me. So. Go on the net and see what, what the price was that for the, for the piece. <laughs> okay. okay. It'll shock you. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Okay. Um, uh, tell me, you know, when uh, students come to you to learn um, how to sculpt, where do you even start? You know, how, how, do you, how do you even get someone to think about sculpting? You, you, do, you do so many workshops, you're training students. Yeah, yeah. What, what's a good first step to take? So I, I, I start with seven-year-olds also, okay? They used to come to my studio and actually work with metal. So now when they come, so now I know their pattern. When they come, they're very apprehensive of even touching the metal, okay? Sure. So I, I, do, I show them a slideshow on how I started and how I picked up this this uh, cogged wheel and made it into a sparrow's head and I found a spanner and I cut it and I made it into the beak of the sparrow and then I found a gear uh, of a bicycle and I made it into a wing of the sparrow and so I give them the freedom to pick up the pieces. I spread the scrap on the floor. There's about 15, 16 of them and then I ask them to sort of pick up pieces and put it and start to sort of form things, you know. Still, they still work in 2D because they keep things on the floor. They're still visualizing in 2D. And I, then I ask them, I said, okay, now pick up the pieces and start seeing them in empty space. Turn them around, you know, visualize them that way. Then slowly you get into the 3D mold. And that's when they realize that when you weld it for them, of course, they don't weld it. They're too small to weld it themselves. Myself and my welders help them. They just show where it's to be attached. They take two pieces together. I take it away from them, weld it, cool it, and then give it to them. That's when they realize that slowly, slowly they're forming something that is completely 3D and from metal, which they never imagined they could do, you know. So that happens. And then, of course, the complexity of the piece depends on each person, on each individual, and on how sort of creative he or she is to be able to take it forward to another level, you know. And you'll be surprised. Some of them sometimes are able to get the idea I, I think we're losing i think we're losing you we're losing you i think your, your the internet is just fading a bit so 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 talking about the children i was saying how much they work on a piece how complex I, they make I, it. I think the, your internet the internet is fading out a bit i'm not able is to catch you i'm i'm on uh, guys can again? you hear him because i'm uh, it's fading out for me can anyone hear him um, I think we're losing him. Arzan, we're losing you. Um, this, the, the, I think the connection isn't stable because 
Okay, I can hear you very properly. Can you hear me right now? I can hear you very properly. I'm saying. Oh. You're saying you can hear me properly? Yes. 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 This, the, your screen seems to have frozen at our end. I think I, there are two people who have said yes. They can hear me. Yes, I can hear both of you. Yep. Uh, you can't hear me. Um. It's it's very muffled actually. Okay. Okay. Guys, can you hear him? Anyone watching? Can you just reply? Can you hear him? Because at my end, his screen is frozen and it's very muffled. Yes, we can hear you. I've got four messages saying yes, we can hear you. Hey, headphones? Mm. I'm okay. Both are perfect, not frozen at all. Are you reading the messages? Are you getting the messages? I can't. I can't hear you. I can. I can just hear a muffled sound. I'm surprised. Both of you are clear. It's just a from from my side. It's clear. I'm surprised. Guys, can you can you guys hear him? See him? Uh, uh, Bharat says yes. Both clear. Yes, perfect. Okay, great. Okay, it seems like everyone can hear you now. Okay. So, 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 so each each child creates as per their capacity. Correct. I mean, individual capacity and all that, and it's good. And so, the first ten fifteen minutes, it's like they're frozen. They don't know what to do. Okay. And then once I let them lose, believe it or leave the studio. You know, literally, do not want to leave the studio, and they're so comfortable working. They're so Happy working there, and their drivers or their maids are outside waiting, and they say, "Baba, you know, sort of your two hours are over. Go." They don't want to go. They just love the studio space. They just love it that I give them complete freedom to experiment. I do not judge them. I give them complete freedom to experiment. I tweak them a little as to doesn't this look better? Do you think that they should add this? But never saying no. This is wrong. This is not done, and do it this way, and all that. Because each and every one creates to their own capacity, and every work is perfect. There is absolutely no issues about that. Having said that, I have to tell you, having so many children's workshops done, there is, of course, you know how our kids are with the gadgets and all that these days. Okay, stuck on the phone sure. and etc. etc. I'm very happy that some of the smartest kids that I have taught. Are from NGOs, are from slums, are from the street yeah. pavements, are from the yeah. villages. They are phenomenally smart. They are so inquisitive to learn, and there is a sparkle in their eye which I find missing in the students that come from a very very high level school. Somehow sure. they enter the studio, and there is that. Air about them that I already know about this. You know, there, there's a little bit of you can actually feel it. And and now after after talking to so many students, I know it. And I mean, I've had such wonderful times with children from uh, uh, Teach for uh, Teach from India for teach India, Teach for India, yeah. India Asima, uh, so many. I'll keep on uh, Nargis Duck Foundation, uh, Jai Bakil, sure. and beautiful. Sure. I mean, the, it's 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 superb. So that it's uh, it's. I mean, just to sort of get their response, and they want to learn this so much. You know, they actually want this phenomenal. They come to the studio sometimes, and they're 
amazed at what they see and uh, what is going on there you know yeah yeah i feel like it's 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 obviously them but it's also you i mean just this the last 60 <laughs> minutes with you it's the the passion is infectious you know just listening to you talk it's just you you talk with such purity of thought of purity of intent i think it comes out naturally <laughs> yeah yeah it is you know you said you were wired a certain way when you were a kid i feel like that wiring has just gotten tighter over the decades it's just amazing a uh, compliment here for you some hira kavs she says you're a perfect teacher okay that's very okay. sweet so i'll tell you what i did in the lockdown just very interesting so yes, yeah. of course that idea was given to me by my daughter okay so in the lockdown you're at home and like i said i don't like wasting time okay i i hate wasting time so i do a lot of black and white pen and inks also sure. i at my studio sure. wasn't open i was cut away from the studio so that's where my creative input went i got my pens and i started drawing etc etc then my daughter said why don't you start teaching this on insta live you know hmm. so i did sessions and then the audience kept on growing and growing and growing i started enjoying it then i said why don't i do proper planned curriculums you know sort of in yeah. penning and i've had i've had about 300 students now you wow. know all over and sorry so i've had about 300 students and uh, it's worked out so well and each of them is doing their own thing in black and white and all that <coughs> and now right. you are fading what's <laughs> happening can you hear me yes you clearly yes okay okay so so it's wonderful so that that believe me it got me in touch with 200 300 more people i enjoyed they enjoyed learning and i was like super there was someone saying please Wait. sir may i know your qualification charming desert rose we touched upon this uh, at the start of the conversation you can <laughs> the whole conversation will be on uh the rejive instagram page on spotify on gana on apple on youtube so you can watch it but uh he said he was trained as an architect in the beginning yeah. so that will help yeah. Yeah. um okay so you you started these workshops in the lockdown you had interacted with about 300 students is is there something coming up is there something you want to announce you have a workshop coming okay. up you have I'll, a show no, coming up no 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 shows right now no shows right now but definitely i'm going to do the black and white curriculums again so keep a lookout for my insta page i've got two insta pages arzan kambata and arzan studio so keep a lookout there i announce it there and not blowing my own trumpet sorry but they my students enjoy themselves so much and especially the ones who say i cannot draw a single line a single straight line and i have yeah, made that's me i've made them do some amazing stuff if i if i if i okay. show you the kind of works they've done it is so satisfying and the interaction you know i mean i i have okay. i have demographic i'll tell you what my student demographic is like please yeah 95% is women over 45 okay okay 95% is women over 45 the rest are younger women and there are only three men okay. out of the 300 students i'm talking about there are three men three or four men you know so it's wonderful i mean okay. i it sort of go into another zone and so i started with one curriculum where i which i called the beginner's course 
then after that was over i did a new beginners and a intermediate so all the beginners joined the intermediate then the intermediate went to a higher one the higher one went sure. to another and another and wow. so i've got students now which have have attached themselves to me since march now and they are progressing from one day to the other you know okay so, please definitely do let, let us know because i'm in the oh, category of i can't i can't draw a straight line you'll, um, you'll be you'll be surprised and the harvard mba has obviously trained my brain in a very different way so and you'll surprise what you'll be i mean i can confidently tell you that now I've, now i've done so many that i can confidently tell you the artwork that you come up with is staggering not just average also i will say staggering you know okay <laughs> that that we we will definitely i'm going to take you on uh, that that challenge that will be one of the challenges for you uh, guys as i'm closing on okay i see some questions here charming desert rose i'll pick up one or two of your questions uh, what does a day in your life look like okay arjun you want to since since you're someone who values time so much how do you spend so, your time uh, okay so this is a normal day okay of course there are yeah but generally right from the beginning when i used to work at uh, the studio or in office or whatever in dad's office whenever I used to make sure I shut work at five. Till day okay. today, every day I stopped working at five. Five wow, onwards. Wow. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. Five is. I mean, that's the maximum. Five. I I I leave the studio. But like I said, unless there's some urgent commission work to be delivered, sure. and there's some exhibition coming up, where then you don't see the time. Then you uh, sort of work all night or work till two in the morning sure. or three and all. So a normal day, I usually get up at eight. I'm at the studio by nine. Okay, I do my main work in the morning. Let's say before one, I have exhausted myself in terms of creating, in terms of drawing. Either I'm sending an email of a new sketch I've done. Either I'm responding to a query. Uh, either I'm actually on the floor creating something, giving instructions to someone, and I literally do not know. by what time it is one you know i just i just look at the clock and say oh my god it's one o'clock already 1 130 i break for lunch i'm back at the studio at about 230 and i work till 5 okay so that in wow. day looks like in that small compressed day i managed to do a lot of stuff believe me i mean i, I like mm-hmm. i said i won't be modest about how hard i work but i, I managed to finish a lot of stuff a lot of stuff a lot of thinking is done there a lot of sketching is done there a lot of <laughs> modification a lot of uh, thinking as to what the next material will be if i'm going out of town as to what very uh, how do you say uh, what monotonous work can i give the workers so they can keep cutting the material ready for me to so join ready. when i get so sure. everything is very well planned and it's <coughs> not But it's not happens that i mean like one would think as an artist you go there today you yeah. don't work to that no it's not like that to me i i have to be regimented i have to have a very uh, concise working day for me to be able to feel good of course there are exceptions of course there are exceptions sometimes okay. i don't feel like doing anything at all i move away from the studio i go somewhere else or whatever but otherwise i sort of work like that. so after 5 it is either my yoga or either i walk or in the lockdown i i got a unicycle tell, and tell, i learned unicycle i i tell us so a bit about it, the uh, tell us a bit about your ayangar yoga fascination i read that you're you're really into ayangar so oh i love it i i 
I believe I study under the world's best teacher. Uh, he's a good friend called uh, Zubin Zarsosti Manish. And of course, yes. Of the top, I would rate him Absolutely. as one of the five Iyengar teachers in the world today. Not in India, not in Asia, in the world today. And sure. it is his dedication. It is his intelligence. It's not again. Uh, I mean, now that I'm saying it, I'm thinking as to why I like sure. him so. It's not. do this do that follow me do this he gives you that freedom to sort of do stuff within what your body is meant to do find you find your own space yeah you can make that asana yours how you can make that asana sure. tweak that asana to make it your own like like i would give sure. someone metal and say make it your own piece you know it's just occur sure. to me right now as i'm saying it sure. so it is his intelligence it is his his uh, uh knowledge of the anatomy and the detail to the craft that he has which excites me more and of course he's a very good friend and a very good guru to be uh, doing stuff sure. under you know sure sure i've had the benefit pleasure of learning with zubin as well and he's absolutely oh, is that so? oh, wow. oh, wonderful wonderful absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> in fact completely amazing I class today i missed the class because of this interview <laughs> oh i'm so sorry i'm so oh, sorry no, no. i'm so sorry about that you know you know how long i've been with him 22 years Oh wow. oh wow! Missing one class is okay. It's perfectly all right. Don't apologize. Oh wow! <laughs> oh lucky you're fortunate I, to be I, training I, with Zubin for twenty two years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Atilia, uh, Habib, guys. Atilia, is in camp so Arzan. Atilia. <laughs> Hello, Akivai. Good to see you here. Uh, yeah, good to see you. Doing fine. Thank you. Okay, <clears throat> guys. I'm going to have to let Arzan go. It's been more than an hour, and we've been taking up his time. Uh, I want. I want to just you know ask you one final question. What What do you do to fuel your creativity? You know, um, do you watch movies? Do you go on holidays? I know you're an avid traveler. What Where do you find your sort of your creative fuel from? Where does it come from? Is it Is it all just innate, or do you Do you need to fuel it every now and then? So I like I said, I need my five o'clock cut off time. Okay, sure. I need five o'clock. As an artist, you never stop thinking. Okay, sure. so it's very difficult to say at what point of time your ideas come and all that. But yes, vacationing is very important for me because I just love seeing different places. I love seeing architecture. I love seeing nature. I love photography, and sure. so you know, imagine this in in your in your uh, routine life in your in your daily work. You need breaks. to create excitement isn't it you need breaks to create excitement sure. you see art it's a visual break okay you eat something good that you like it's it's an it's a gastronomical break you break off you know your sure. mind diverts sure. and it starts doing something in another area apart from your work so in that sure. way you're trapped the best because you're changing your location completely you're completely mm-hmm. changing your location you're changing the kind of light that's around you the smells that are around sure. you you with people there is no work i mean i don't consider my work as work but then you're not thinking of that and it takes you Absolutely. into another zone and right, right. i would say traveling is important but that doesn't mean that when i'm traveling inspiration strikes me the mind sure. needs to take these breaks off and on uh, either just cycling somewhere you know or just sure, walking sure. some when you won't believe it when i'm most tired from the studio okay the thing that recoups me immediately is if i go on my podium and just take a walk in my garden you know 
just sure. nice yeah. pop music i feel more rejuvenated people sure. get mentally tired than physically tired in these days you have to remember that so sure. the more to put in a little bit of physical exercise or call it whatever just even walking you know yeah. it completely revives you and sort of neutralizes the all the stuff that you've done in a day and it prepares you for the night for the evening which is good because sure. you need to change that uh, rhythm in you you know sure okay so so you basically say you you sort of disconnect um yes. you know whether it's a walk or a bicycle ride or, or travel or yes. whatever you just yes. change your mind your zone and then right. listen to some music and movies yeah you mentioned about movies i love watching movies okay i mean, huh. sure. if, okay. if if i had a photograph of netflix i would put it and i would do agarbatti around it <laughs> so i i i just love my movies i i i love comedies my number one preference is comedies for everything that i uh, whether it's reading or uh watching movies or listening to something i i, I love uh, humor in every form you know and okay. so that's my first preference, you know so i love seeing movies it takes okay. you to another zone completely another you know? realm okay okay so yes. it's even like you you sort of disconnect go to a different realm come back Correct. disconnect Correct. again yeah. you need that your okay. mind needs that constant play you know you can't be in the same river you can't come home from work and keep thinking about work i'm i'm not talking about myself mm-hmm. i'm talking about a person who works in a corporate office you can't come home from work and still keep on answering your emails on the phone and keep on going on till night your mind needs sure. a break you have to take a break there is sure. there is no other way of uh, doing it you know sure okay Thomas, guys on that I, note i'm go- i'm going to let what time do you sleep okay 11:30ish 12ish not later 11:30 12 since you're so because he's an early riser no so <laughs> okay guys we're going to let him have to break and go into another zone um bharat is saying it was great talk arzan always full of energy and enthusiasm thanks a lot thank you guys for all your questions and comments and suggestions um arzan thank you so much this has been phenomenal thank you on a personal level this has been uh, really eye opening for me and i just i loved your comments about uh, how you sort of just let children explore um experiment fearlessly i'm going yeah. to take that with me i'm going to write it down somewhere i yeah. actually love that uh, yeah. not judging not boxing people into good bad and average um yeah. just letting just letting people be and i love your conviction you know you knew very early on this is who you are and you follow through um a lot of us are guilty of not following through um you seeing talent in a lot of people and you're sort of tapping that potential i love that you're so egalitarian you spoke so much about the children you work with from the ngos etc just this this whole hour has just been dripping of your simplicity uh, and yeah that simplicity probably comes out in your work because you just you just sort of i mean you're just adorable you know i'm just like i have to meet this person because you you've just been so frank and you you just speak Thank uh you. you know whatever is on your mind i i just love this conversation uh thank you so much so comment here you. saying i love your bindas attitude and of course <laughs> the, the mustache i think has done it for most of the women on the show so that, <laughs> thank you so much and oh, why don't you end by telling us how do people get in touch with you and how do you sort of how how do you how can we get in touch with you if someone wants to commission a piece what what's the okay. right way to do this i'm on i'm on facebook as arzan kambata i'm uh, okay. i i so- so I, like i said i do a lot of photography i i pick out signboards and i love the stuff so i am on uh, instagram as arzan kambata and my works and my doodling stuff and all that is on arzan studio on instagram so three way and i keep on okay. checking 
regularly. So there's absolutely no problems. You can write to me on Facebook or Instagram. Not a problem. Okay, so someone can just directly message you on one of these yes. platforms. Yes, yes, and, then, and I'll reply. Okay. I always reply. Okay, great. Okay, I'm sure you always reply because you've been very patient and generous by replying to every one of our questions. So thank, thank you. you so much. I'm, I'm going to let you sign off. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. Thank bye you. bye. Bye bye. See you then. Bye bye. All right, guys. That was Arzan Kambata sharing um, his life, his journey, and so many nuggets of wisdom. Um, you know, this the session has been enlightening for me. I feel like uh, just been doused with his wisdom um, and his his absolutely simple and austere approach to to life and to work. Um, thank you all for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, excited to bring you another guest next Tuesday on House of Experts. Um, until then, going to sign off. The entire recording of this show will be. on the reach iv instagram page um it will be on spotify as a podcast on youtube if you want to see it in video and of course on the reach iv.com website under house of experts if you go to the main menu uh thank you all once again and look forward to catching you on our next episode thank you